So cheese, oh cheese, cheese represents the mother. Dairy represents the mother wound. So if we're craving excessive amounts of cheese or dairy, this is like, I need to be comforted. I need the mother to hold me. I want to suck from the mother's sweet tit. I want to be held like a baby. I want to be nourished and loved. Cheese is dense, and it's like a craving for that dense, thick, creamy love. Oh, the magical mystery of food. You know what? This episode isn't really about food. It's more about the bite, the chew, the swallow, and why we crave certain tastes. And what's going on in our energy field to make us desire salt or sugar or the crunch the cream? Why does our mouth yearn for different textures, different feelings? Why do we crave foods that we know are going to make us feel like shit? We crave foods that we know are going to make us feel like shit, but we feel like panicked if we don't get them. We have withdrawals from the food we become addicted to. So this episode isn't necessarily about food. It's more about the metaphysical, energetic root of why we eat the way we do. And why we crave certain tastes. Welcome to Horpod. My body and how I chew. So I didn't realize until I went on a Buddhist meditation retreat where we had noble silence, meaning most of the retreat, nobody talked to each other. And when we ate, we definitely didn't talk. 
and we honored mindful eating and noble silence. And the teacher told us on the first day how to take a deep breath before we chew and how to just chew slowly to break down the particles of the food, to taste each aspect of the flavor. And I was shocked on how difficult this was for me. And I noticed something very quickly. I noticed when I eat, I stop breathing. And I noticed when I'm chewing and I'm not breathing, my whole body is tense. My shoulders tighten up and rise towards my ears. Sometimes I am chewing with a clenched fist and didn't even notice. And I've noticed my jaw gets really tight and that I don't slow down when I eat. I eat like fast and very tension filled in my body. And that was really mind blowing to be at the Buddhist meditation retreat and think about how I'm breathing when I'm eating. I've never even associated the two together. And luckily at this point in my life, I was going to these Buddhist retreats while I was studying with a martial arts teacher. And the martial arts teacher was teaching me the energetics of yin and yang. Um, That also can be equated to sort of masculine, feminine energy. And he told me that I'm so tense in my body when I eat that it's sending signals, the tension of my muscles, the tightening up of my muscles are sending signals throughout my nervous system that I can't trust the food I'm eating and that when I'm chewing, I'm not really breaking down each particle of the food. And see, the chew is where digestion begins. We really want to take time to break down what we're consuming. And that puts way less stress on our stomach, less stress on our gallbladder and our liver and our kidneys. And I realized eating for me was a trauma response. And I ate every day like I was in a war zone, like I was in complete fear of my environment. And because no one had ever taught me how to slow down and break down each particle of my food, I would like eat fast or really slow or even swallow food whole. Now, swallowing food whole is a nightmare for your digestive system. And so what my martial arts teacher told me at the time is that I'm not breaking down my food correctly because I don't feel safe emotionally in this world. 
I don't feel safe to just exist because of the violence that's occurred in my life. And I was like, oh, fuck. And then he went on to explain that if we don't feel safe when we're chewing, our body sends signals of fight or flight, right? And when we're in fight or flight, we are not in rest and digest. So being in fight or flight is a way for our body to avoid nutrients. It's really hard for our body to absorb the nutrition from food if our muscles are tense, if our cortisol levels, our stress hormones are high. Because I always wondered, I'm like, fuck, I eat so fucking healthy and I could just feel something was really off. Like I wasn't totally getting the nutrients from my food. So when the teacher told me that, I was just, it resonated so much. And then I started kind of peeling back the onion layers of the biopsychology of how we eat, when we eat, and why we crave certain tastes or certain foods. And if you have listened to Horopod you might have heard the Parasite Killer episode or the Pleasure Me. Fuck, I forget which one it is. I think in both of those episodes, specifically the Pleasure Me one, I talk about why we crave sweetness. But I'll hit on it in this episode too. But I recommend um, listening to the Pleasure Me in the Parasite Killer episode if you haven't heard it already. Now, Mindful eating is not having stimulus around when you eat. So the American way is to overstimulate ourselves all the time. And if you're a magic person, if you're a witch, if you do spell work, or if you're really intuitive and tuned into your superpowers, it's important that we are mindful of the stimulus around us. And we live in a very overstimulating time with the internet, an overstimulating country, the U.S. Like everywhere we go, there's advertisements, music, TV, phones, ringing, dogs, barking. It's just music, stimulus, stimuli, stimuli. And that's part of our consumption. And we really want to get to a point where when we're eating we can shut down some of that stimuli. And so many of us, or I should speak for me, I've found comfort in like having snacks in front of a movie or comfort in like eating right when I get home without like sitting down and seeing it as sort of ritual. Because meal is ritual. Meal is a spell. Now, don't feel bad if you never do this. I don't do it all the time. But I think it's just a practice, like a practice to see our food as part of a ritual. A practice to eat mindfully and slowly. And it's hard to really integrate with our food. 
if there's a TV blaring or music blaring or we're on Twitter or scrolling as we're consuming. It really cuts us off of our body and puts us sort of more in the matrix. But if we commune with the food, that's why no matter your belief system, praying over food before you eat is an ancient tradition. And what that's doing is it's integrating your energy with the energy coming from the food and you're blessing it. You're sort of putting a spell on it. And there's a bunch of different um, metaphysical theories that like speaking over your water or speaking over your food before you consume it puts magic into it and it helps it integrate with yourself and it makes it easier to, to digest. I had a friend who was visiting a foreign country, and I don't know how true this is, but she said all the other people from the U.S. were getting very ill while eating this food overseas. And she said, but I prayed over it, and I prayed over it, and I prayed over it, and it never made me sick. It gave me vital energy. I could feel it nurturing my system. And I don't know if that's true or not. I'm not a scientist or a doctor. So remember this throughout this episode, okay? Because I'm going to be making some pretty big claims. Always know I could just be a crazy witch who's full of shit. Always trust yourself first and your body. This is just what she said, but it resonated with me. And I remember being a little kid and eating really unhealthy food a lot and hearing from my guides It doesn't matter how healthy it is. If you believe it's healthy when you put it in your body, it will create health for you. I don't know if that's true, but I think there's something to that. There's something to praying and speaking over your food. And you can sort of jump a timeline to this food being nourishing rather than toxic. But I think some foods have like a collective spell on them. Like everyone uses their mind and says this thing is bad or this thing's unhealthy. So you have like fear of it when you eat. We do not want to eat in a state of fear. And I think that's something I've done most of my life is eat in a state of fear. Meaning... My mom had this thing where she didn't know how to cook. She didn't know how to nourish herself. And she definitely didn't know how to nourish her babies, me and my brother. And she thought she was horrifically ugly and fat. So, you know, when you hear me saying that about myself, and it's really easy for people to just be like, don't talk like that. Well, it's also like this lineage pain I carry from the feminine in my family. This pain of like not being pretty enough, not being small enough. And she had that deeply. And it affects your babies when you have that, you know. But she had that from her own abuse. But I remember being probably like eight years old in Target with my mom. 
and like trying to put a spell on her so that we could leave and we could eat because I felt so hungry. And I kept trying to tell her how hungry I was. And it was really starting to annoy her. And and then I got really sharp and had a very big attitude towards her. And I said, we can't just starve ourselves and then shove a bag of Doritos in our mouth at the end of the day. And I told her like that wasn't healthy. And she slapped me <laughs> across the face in Target for not being respectful to her. And, but I do remember this sense of, oh, I'm going to starve myself. I'm going to fast to be healthy. And then my body's going to crack. My cravings are going to be so loud that I can't ignore them. That I have to like rush to this whole bag of nacho cheese Doritos and consume it all. And just think about like, the energy of her stress hormones and the, her kids' stress hormones by like fasting and then breaking the fast with this whole bag of chips. And I've seen a lot of disordered eating where that's sort of the case. It's like they go a long time without eating as little as they can and then gorge. And this is coming from a place of deep wounding, deep pain. And it's a hard cycle to break out of. But once we start practicing breaking out of it, even the practice of mindful eating, even if we just do it once ever so often, that's offering healing to our bodies. That's offering healing to the lineage who might have come from poverty or food scarcity or disordered eating. I've seen people um, want to push away food and not nourish themselves as a way of taking control of their own body, as a way of saying, I have some say in my fucking life, and sort of a way to punish the people who are trying to force them to be perfect. And for me, I didn't have that. But I had this feeling of like, there's never enough food. There's never enough food. Food is scarce. You can't take seconds because there's not enough or we might not cook. And I just have had a really dark relationship with food in ways. I remember being in elementary school and sort of taking on my mom's wounding and not wanting to eat in front of anyone. So I wouldn't eat all day long. And I got so used to it. And I think my body's still paying the price for how malnourished I was. So I wouldn't eat all day long. And then my grandma would pick me up from school. And I remember rushing into her house and grabbing a box of wheat thins. And I would eat a whole box of wheat thins every night after school. And I would never tell them I wasn't eating my lunch But I also felt really disgusted by the food my mom would touch for some reason. I think it was just part of my trauma too. And well, also, let's be real. Like we were very poor and we didn't always live in the best conditions. So sometimes the food did have like maggots in it or old stale bread, you know. But it was still food and I could have ate it. 
but I would starve myself all day and then like rush home and eat the box of wheat thins. And I remember some people were like a little alarmed because they would see this like fourth grader just like woofing down a box of wheat thins. And I remember once someone said, well, at least wheat thins are healthy. And now as an adult, I'm like, that is not fucking healthy. That was my main source of nutrition. But it was also my reward. Oftentimes we reward ourselves with food on a subconscious level. And I think in a way that's okay when it's like nourishing food. When it's food that is nutrient dense. But there's almost no nutrients in wheat thins. Except like carbs to give you some energy. Some sugar and some salt. So let's talk about the crunch. That's really interesting that I bring up the wheat thins too because wheat thins are very crunchy right and chips are very crunchy so my mom would starve herself all day and eat a bag of chips I would starve myself all day and eat a box of wheat thins and there's psychobiology where psychologists have studied why we are so interested with crunchy food as humans there's even some chip companies that hire scientists to get the perfect crunch because so many of us desire to crunch, crunch, crunch. And you can even look up articles on this on Psychology Today, but they talk about how it's primal, how we used to sort of crunch animals or crunch the plants in front of us and by that crunching we're breaking down the matter but we are excessively craving crunchy foods like chips and popcorn and crackers and nuts what else is crunchy pretzels if we're craving these a lot Our jaw, this is psychologically proven, that our jaw is where we hold tension and our jaw is where we hold aggression and our jaw is where we can hold anger and repressed anger. And there's this sort of evolutionary aspect to chewing and crunching that it organically by crunching, you're relieving some of that tension that's stored in your body. So for me, I feel like I had a lot of tension at school. And I had a lot of tension from being so abused in that time. But nowhere, no like outlet to express the anger. And I would come home and crunch, crunch, crunch. And it was naturally, subconsciously, releasing some of that tension for me. Some people, if they have like no outlets for their anger, like no activities to push anger out. So what do we mean by that? Like some activities to really channel anger is like aggressive exercise, playing sports, throwing balls, boxing, punching, movement, screaming, dancing, aggressive sex. Um, 
different art forms can be channels of expressing anger, yelling, singing, painting, big adrenaline activities can be a way to release subconscious or built up tension in the body. But if you don't have these activities in your life or you feel that there there's not enough time to do that or you don't have the privilege of just like going skiing or snowboarding or bungee jumping, then you might really crave the crunch because that crunch is an activity. It's an outlet to release the tension. Or you might not be someone who craves crunchy foods like all day, every day. You may be someone who's having a really hard time at work right now who you feel like there's some tension in the office or that you're not being seen by your boss or oftentimes like the energy of feeling fucked over in life like they did me wrong energy of betrayal and if that kind of came in out of nowhere you might not know where to put this feeling of being fucked over or what to do about this feeling of tension in the office. And a, a lot of people are deeply psychic beings who've been stuffed into the matrix. So they're super psychic. They can pick up on people's emotions. They can pick up on the tension in the room. But then they're told, like, keep working on your computer. And so you might be observing and absorbing all of this psychic energy and it might create tension in your own body so you might find oh whenever I'm at the office I just want to eat chips all day I just want to eat popcorn I just want that crunch and that's like to give you an out to give you an ability to like break down some of that tension Sometimes, like, if there's an an individual who feels chronically not heard or seen, they can get really addicted to, like, chips and salsa. And I know that sounds silly, but I was once in a relationship with someone, and he felt very unseen by the world. Specifically, he felt abused by his parents in a way that they never saw him. And this person had the most wild food addiction to chips and salsa. And he would eat it all the time. And when I say all the time, I mean like literally he kept it in his like suitcase. He kept it in his backpack. I remember we went on a hike with some friends and he literally like whipped out the chips and salsa on a crazy incline. And I'm like, how is it possible that you're holding a thing of salsa in one hand, chips in the other, while we are hiking on an incline and but if I go deeper into that and I sort of read the energy of it it's really wanting to be seen like when we're crunching there's just this like orchestra of drumming in our mouth it's a vibration and that vibration is like connected and this is just my opinion, okay? I could be totally wrong. But when I tap into it as an energy reader, I'm like, oh, that is connected to like wanting to be the center of attention in a way. Of like kind of creating your own world inside of your mouth 
where you can let some aggression out about not being seen. In that moment, you kind of feel seen and then it releases some of the tension. Now, don't overthink this. This is more for people who like find a pattern in wanting the crunchy stuff. It's, and it's not bad either. Like it's actually evolutionary. It's part of who we are as animals to want to, to eat crunchy things. And that those crunchy things do release the tension. It's only... It's only meant to go deeper if you see it as a pattern that's disrupting your everyday life. Like, I just eat way too many crackers and chips. And some of these go together, right? Like, chips are often in the crunch. That's also very salty, usually. So, on a metaphysical level, what does it mean when we crave salt? Well, salt is so interesting, especially in magic, because it preserves our life force. So in spell work, we always use salt as sort of protection to preserve the life force energy. Salt is a preservative. But so if you feel run down or like, oh man, there's all these like, parasitic people sucking from my energy or this job is like sucking my energy you might be more of a salt graver and and the salt will give you this sort of like whoo I'm alive again whoo this is preserving my life force they can't just take it from me but salt can be like really damaging in ways because it can enhance the mucus in our body and most illness is connected to excess mucus but there's also magic in the salt for it being protective another metaphysical property of salt is the energy of salt and water And what do I mean by that? When we put salt in our body, um, most of our body is made of water. And when we put that salt into our body, the water in our body is attracted to the salt. So it sort of flows to the salt. And I see like very rigid people people who are very controlling in their life, people who are controlling of others, people who are controlling of themselves, people who are very hard on themselves, they subconsciously crave salt. And I see that as the subconscious need to go with the flow because salt creates flow. It preserves life force energy, but it also gets the water flowing in the body. So it breaks up being stagnant. When we feel very controlling of ourself, that can create a lot of stagnation in our energy field, stagnation in our body. And the salt can be a way to like break up that stagnation and create flow. Because if we are very rigid, 
there is a huge part of us that aches and aches to be flowing. And then the really interesting thing to me about salt is like, so people who are subconsciously controlling, subconsciously crave the salt. But salt, if if you're just someone who like doesn't usually crave salt, or maybe you do usually crave it, either way, this could be a sign of you are really needing to relax. Like you don't have the magic of relaxation in your auric field. Like think that you're just craving these salty foods, but what you may be craving, but what you may be craving is rest and relaxation. And if you have a hankering for some salt, your body might be desperately screaming and pleading for you to get more minerals in your body. We're very depleted of minerals as a collective and we are crystals. Our bodies are crystals. Our brains are crystals in a lot of ways and we need minerals for our own vitality. And specifically, if you're craving salt, your body's probably lacking and aching for magnesium. And magnesium is the mineral of relaxation, of flow. Magnesium helps our body absorb the rest of the nutrition we're putting into it. Um, Our body doesn't even can't even really use vitamin D well if we don't have sufficient amount of magnesium within our body. So cravings aren't bad. We actually crave to heal some of these hidden wounds within ourselves. But if we don't sort of find balance within the craving, that craving can become the poison. So magnesium helps us relax. Needing salt may mean you need some breath work, some space, some quiet time. Who who out here is addicted to cheese? Man, cheese. I've heard a lot of people say, I can give up anything, but I can't give up that cheese. I can't give up the dairy, the yogurt. Mm, So comforting. And I'm going to do a whole dairy episode, okay, on K1 and K2 dairy. So put that in your back pocket for later. Um, Maybe it will be out when you hear this. Probably not. But we'll talk about how there's healthy dairy and not healthy dairy. I'm learning this because I'm living on a ranch right now. But this need for cheese is very interesting. And I remember a homeopathic doctor once told me, if there's ever any food in your life, or if there's ever anything and your first thought is, oh my God, I can never give that up. I can never be without it you probably need to be without it, according to this homeopathic doctor. And when he said that, I was like, oh, that's true. (laughs) If I like, my first reaction is to cling to something when you're telling me to have a healthy relationship with it, it probably means I'm not balanced within that. 
probably means I'm codependent on it in some ways. So cheese. Oh, cheese. Cheese represents the mother. Dairy represents the mother wound. So if we're craving excessive amounts of cheese or dairy, this is like, I need to be comforted. I need the mother to hold me. I want to suck from the mother's sweet tit. I want to be held like a baby. I want to be nourished and loved. Cheese is dense, and it's like a craving for that dense, thick, creamy love. Craving cheese and dairy products can be this craving to be nurtured by the mother or feeling even sometimes people who have deep, deep uh, needs for the cheese and the dairy might even feel guilt about who they are as a mother or feeling like they couldn't really connect with mom or feeling overconnected with mom in a sort of codependent way that it's like hard to let go of don't overthink this like you might just like cheese and it might not be this big metaphysical thing you might just like really like quesadillas and that's cool but if you're someone who's like I can't live without cheese and cheese is what makes me feel better the cream of dairy is like what I need to survive then there might be like a mother wound thing going on cheese also contains a stimulant in it and I'm going to, I might say this wrong, but it's triamine and the milk contains like milk and dairy products. So cheese too contain tryptophan, which increases the feel good hormone of serotonin. So automatically this like dairy, because of the triamine and the tryptophan, like they just make us feel good. It's like It's like being a little baby and just out here crying away and mom comes and holds you and puts her to her soft breasts and you just feel better. We also can crave dairy products because they are very creamy. The cream is this energy of wanting to be soothed. Um, Some people who can't self-soothe will self-soothe with food and specifically self-soothe with cream ice cream dairy yogurt cream milk it's just a way of soothing ourselves. and again this doesn't mean it's bad if you're doing it it's just is there balance within that we crave the cream of the feminine and the cream um represents creation so cream is very there's a lot of mythology around cream and cream itself is very magical the soft cream represents nurturing and we need to consume like the fat of dairy to sustain and to be safe like our brains associate this fat to safety just like I feel like I'm, I have cushion in me and on me because it's, it's part of my sense of safety. So I hold on to it. And we have looked to the cushier curves of women in our society as this place of safety. 
So we're naturally drawn to fattier foods when we feel like we need comfort and safety. Also, if you're someone who gets really airy-fairy up in your head um, and it's hard to ground cheese and dairy products because of their like heavy cream, their density, can make us feel grounded. So if you get real flighty or over the top or flying too close to the sun, the cheese helps bring us back down and we can sort of get addicted to that heavy feeling. Sometimes if I am out here doing crazy magic and wild shit is happening in my reality, it feels like like I'm living on a different planet. And then I'll crave like cheese because it grounds me down. And it helps me feel like I'm more in my body. Like I had a wild sexual experience and I felt like so out of body afterwards. And it was really funny and this was so subconscious, but I spent the night at this person's house. And then at six in the morning, I like drove to a grocery store, the only one that was open. And I bought a block of cheese and Ritz crackers, not the healthiest breakfast, okay? And I like ate so much of it. And I ate so much of it, I think, because the cheese was like nurtured me after like having this wild body sexual experience. And then the crunch of the crackers and the salt like helped me like be in flow and help me like keep moving. And the crunch helped me get some of the tension out because I have a lot of like stored sexual pain. So I know that's reading a lot into food, but I don't think it's a coincidence that I went from that wild sexual experience to like rushing to a grocery store and buying the block of cheese and crackers. And at that time, I didn't even make the connection till days later. But if you're feeling like you need that comfort cream, but you're trying to like not eat so much cheese one alternative is avocados they have that healthy fat they can be grounding um and they're so good for fertility and they're nutrient dense it's interesting to kind of peel off the layers of our cravings because So much of what we see as normal in life, our everyday activities, our coping mechanisms, our trauma responses, and oftentimes how we eat is how we cope in everyday life, is how we're reacting sort of to this trauma of being on this earthly plane. And food is energy, and we are energy, and... I think this is just more of an open curiosity as to why we crave certain things. And that curiosity helps us gain a better relationship with what we're eating, what we desire, and why we desire. Also, like another alternative to like just wanting to eat cheese all the time is trying raw dairy so raw cow's milk or raw goat's milk goat cheese some people really believe that goat's milk 
is extremely healthy and nutrient dense compared to like cow's milk, especially if you can get raw goat's milk or raw cow's milk. And wanting dairy is like also just like really craving to be nourished. You know, I keep, I feel like I keep going back to this sucking from the breast energy, but that is the energy of like deeply wanting to be nourished, deeply wanting to be nurtured by the people around you. If you're a person and your kind of default is to like go to the cheese pizza, you might want to ask like, do I really feel held by the people around me? Do I feel nurtured? But again, sometimes we just want a cheese pizza and it doesn't have to be that deep. But I think everything we do is magic and energy. So what about spicy? That spicy, those cravings for spice, man. Some people are spice extremists out here. Oftentimes people who feel lowly or depressed or really bored can crave like extremely spicy food. So someone who has a tendency or a pattern of falling into depression or like not feeling excited. Those who habitually crave extremely spicy food maybe looking for intensity and action in their lives. They're probably like internally a very adventurous person, but they've numbed themselves out in ways. So extreme cravings of spicy foods and being able to eat really spicy foods. Sometimes those who grew up in trauma where they had to numb a lot of emotions grow up to liking really extreme food and it's like this jolt to help them feel something um and they they have a greater capacity to take on bigger spices because they've been forced to numb out so much feeling. So a person who feels a lot, it's going to be more sensitive to spice perhaps. And a person who numbs out their emotions in ways might be way more attracted to the extremely spicy foods. Spicy food is confronting. Spicy food wakes you up. So someone who just feels like numb or trapped or kind of like asleep or like a zombie in their everyday life might be drawn to this spicy food as a way to heal that wound of numbness. And we can even go deeper and weirder in this, but I've noticed that people who have like an extreme affinity for highly spicy foods I see timelines in that person of feeling like they couldn't do what their peers were doing or feeling isolated or not accepted. And that pain of being so isolated from their peers or not being specifically like not being able to do what others were doing in their age group, like not being able to go on certain adventures or being homeschooled or being kept away 
or not being able to date or drive when others could date or drive or being sent to boarding school. These people have a higher range for risk because they really want that adventure and it's like they've been craving that adventure. They've been craving that spice of life and felt like it got taken away from them or that they couldn't experience it at the same levels that their friends did. Spicy foods can be like a motivator. It can push someone into action. Like like if you ever eat something hot, you might start moving fast. You're like, ooh, you start shaking a little bit. You start like kind of wiggling because it like moves you into action. You might like want to drink a lot of water. You start drinking milk because you're trying to tame the spice. Like it's a reason they call it spice of life. Wakes you. Witches will like use spices like cayenne and put it into spells as like a jump start for that spell, like to get it going. So spice is a jump start. Spice can really get people going or you can use it in spell to make the spell happen faster. And it can rev the engine of the depressed person. Again, our cravings and desires are meant to help heal our wounds. But if we don't find balance in it, then it brings poison to our wounds. There's an energy of wanting to be wild and free when we crave that spice. It's like, oh, I've been shut in or shut up and I want to be wild. I want to be free. Spice is wild. Like, you know, what do they call a wild woman? She's so spicy. And sometimes we don't know how to get that freedom in our everyday life. So we sort of rebel with our taste buds through the spice. What about the sweetness? What about the sweetness? All that sugary, sugary food. The sugary food. Craving sweetness. Well, if we feel like we lack pleasure in our life, if we feel like we lack sexual pleasure, if our inner child feels like they had some of their joy stolen, we might excessively crave sugar. Right, Lacey? Right. That's what I do. I crave sugar as this, this means of joy. This means of like adding a little sweetness to the grief big old wounds people who like grind down on themselves a lot like just work non-stop or have multiple jobs or like very overly masculine of themselves like just grinding down work harder do more well they're not giving themselves space or time for that pleasure like find gentleness through sweetness through the sweets um, sugar can give you like a bolt of joy, of happiness. Um, you see people who like will like stop and eat a piece of candy or eat something sweet. And that's sort of like a break to give them joy since they don't have time to find that for themselves. Um, this is also the energy, and I realize I do this a lot, is feeling like I need a treat I need a treat. I need something pleasurable. I need something to make me happy. And 
we're taught in a consumer society that 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 treat needs to be food also like we do kids a disservice at times by telling them oh if you do good you can have this sweet thing this sweet treat this toxic sugar you can have that if you do good and I've done it with kids um that was done to me as a kid and it's so hard not to so no shame if you're parenting that way but it is programming us to see sugar as a reward and that like oh we get it if we do something good and I remember feeling like um I like having health issues and knowing that I can't consume sugar and carbs the way my friends can or my peers can and feeling like really fucking left out that I couldn't like eat the slice of cake at the birthday party or have the alcohol that other people could have and it's just like fuck so much has already happened and I can't just have that but I realized like that's just another part of my pain and that's like my child wounding of everyone else gets a childhood and I didn't and I'm still like seeking that childhood subconsciously by giving myself treats because I didn't get that people who um don't worry about themselves don't do a lot of self-healing but constantly focused on fixing or bettering or healing others can really deplete themselves of joy behind their back they don't even realize they're doing it they're just like oh I gotta help this person and then I gotta help that person and they're not doing anything to replenish themselves they can use sugar as energy and a like false replenishment like they think they're replenishing their self by eating some cookies between helping this person and that person or or a power bar or a sugary drink it's like to give them that jolt of okay I'm awake I'm alert this is a drug and it's making me feel good it's happy and now I can go help the next person and sugar does have sort of a numbing effect on our emotions And specifically, sugar can be very numbing for deep grief. And those who've been deeply abused in this life or deeply traumatized, or those who have lost loved ones to death, and at times, like, they'll really crave sugar because I don't believe we can fully feel our grief if there's any sugar in our bodies. And there's some cultures that if someone dies in your life, you're not allowed to eat sugar or carbs for a full year just so that your body has the opportunity to release and transmute some of the grief that, that occurred during that death. So if you're someone who needs and needs sugar, you might be looking for pleasure. You might be looking for sexual healing, a jolt of joy or a way to medicate deep, deep grief. And sort of like sugar, there's chocolate. But the thing about chocolate is chocolate is sort of magic in medicine because um, there's a lot of antioxidants in dark chocolate and it sends endorphins to your brain. So like cheese, it has those feel-good 
brain chemicals. And it has minerals too, like dark chocolate has magnesium, which helps you relax. So there's definitely benefits to each of these cravings. But specifically with chocolate, if you're just like a diehard chocolate lover, like you can't picture your life without chocolate, you can't go a day without chocolate, that's um, metaphysically the feeling of love. It's a substitute for being in love. We become in love with the chocolate. Even if you see like chocolate commercials, they're very romantic. We associate chocolate with romance, Valentine's, and that's because like chocolate holds the energy of love. And if you don't feel like you're worthy of being in love or you don't feel like you're worthy of having a partner, you don't feel super connected to your partner, you may really crave chocolate. Chocolate's also deeply connected to sex, those endorphins. And it can be a way of like self-soothing some of that sexual energy or sparking, like getting your libido going. Chocolate is an aphrodisiac, so it can help in the bedroom. Now, what about caffeine? Oh, caffeine, one of our most praised drugs. The drug of the workaholic, caffeine. Caffeine is the energy of get up and go. Get up and go. Keep going. You feel like resting? Go some more. Drink some coffee. Double shot espresso. Green tea. Get that caffeine in you. Caffeine is the ultimate masculine drug, meaning it's the drug of getting us in our head and out of our body. So it's great for someone who wants to dominate. It's really good for someone who wants to perform. Caffeine is just like helps you sort of rise above the muck. Um, but caffeine literally tells the rest of your body to shut the fuck up. Caffeine, have you noticed like you poop, like if you drink coffee, a lot of coffee or some coffee? Um, and part of the reason, and I'm not saying this is the whole reason, but a connection to that is that caffeine literally sends your body into fight or flight and you poop because of it because you're like ridding yourself of shit so you can fly but it tells your body shut the fuck up the mind's in charge we're getting shit done we're doing this thing don't be tired and if you're tired I don't want to fucking hear it we're drinking this coffee and we're getting up and we're going but that can be so dangerous for our adrenals it can be really dangerous for knowing the cues of our own body because it's literally putting a muzzle on our organic feelings it's a way to ignore how we feel caffeine is when we're using it as an extreme drug is all i'm saying no shame if you're a big coffee drinker just saying if it's a habitual thing, like you need it a couple times a day, maybe just be curious about it or ask yourself if that relates. And if this doesn't resonate, that's perfectly okay. And like sort of a wooier, deeper emotional thing for an addiction to caffeine is like wanting to be seen in a really good light. Like really wanting to be liked, not wanting people to be mad at you. It's like, Caffeine is the drug of performing correctly. Um, to me, caffeine in a way feels like anti-human 
because it disconnects us from our body so much. It disconnects us from the feelings of the earth. And we just become so, so in our head with caffeine and more alert, right? It's that fight or flight. So we have a greater alertness with caffeine, which is like crazy beneficial at times. But do we need it three times a day? I don't know. Ice cream's another interesting one. It goes with like the dairy and the sweets. So there's some overlapping here. But I think ice cream specifically is really interesting because it's so cold and it freezes. So it so different than spicy foods where it's like here feel. It's like here numb out. And not just like numb out like caffeine where it's like saying you don't want to be connected to your body. It's just saying like numb out and freeze completely, like stop. Um, I know there was a period in my life where I was really craving ice cream and that's when I started working out a lot and I was realizing, oh no, I'm holding so much trauma and these layers of fat in my body and I'm holding pain here and this pain is really connected to grief and I started working out like an hour a day and going to the sauna um, every day and like sweating it out and moving. And oh my God, I did not like the feelings that were coming up, the pain that was coming up, the grief, the memories. I was like, oh, this is why I'm fat. I stay heavy so I could be like on the ground so I don't have to be so sensitive to feeling all of this pain that's occurred in my life. And so I feel like we're very unfair to heavier people in the sense that we're like, just exercise, just exercise. Well, if you're a heavy person, more than likely you're holding on to some trauma in your body. And it's really easy for outsiders to look at you and say, oh, just exercise. But they don't realize, and sometimes we don't realize, all the pain that can come up when you start moving the pain around. And not everyone has the privilege to get therapy after they exercise once that pain starts coming to the surface. Not everyone has the privilege to exercise an hour a day or spend money on the gym. And not everyone has the mental capacity to fully, and I mean, everyone does have the capacity, but I mean, in our society, like if you're a single mom or you're working a bunch of jobs or you don't know the tools to psychologically support yourself when you start exercising and all this energy comes up. So that's what was happening with me at that time. And I would spend all this time exercising and then I would drive to the grocery store and get like this pint of vegan ice cream and eat it in my car. Like how embarrassing is that? But it was a way to sort of freeze out all this trauma that was coming up because I didn't have the resources at the time to support myself in that trauma. And I wasn't in a healthy relationship with someone who loved me who could hold space for that. 
And I didn't have a community that could hold space for that. And we put so much guilt and shame on our cravings. And we put so much guilt and shame on people who do exercise too much or people who don't exercise enough. So I just hope that in listening to this episode, that none of this made you feel bad. If you crave spicy food or sugary food or you're eating a pint of ice cream after you exercise, all of this is more just like curiosity and getting to know ourselves better. And it's okay if it didn't resonate and it's okay if it does. But the bigger thing is when we ask more questions, we get to pay more attention to different parts of ourselves. Asking questions is a form of showing someone you love them. It's a form of showing interest. Attention is such Attention is the action of love. Attention is connected to our love and we need attention. So by asking ourselves these questions of why we're reaching for certain foods, we're offering curiosity and attention to ourselves, which helps us put intention to the energy we're creating in this reality. No matter how you eat or your relationship with food, I hope you have grace with yourself and all your cravings. And know that sometimes when we reach for things, there's deeper cellular reasons. Sometimes we crave things because of our ancestors. Sometimes we crave things because of the trauma in our lineage. Sometimes we crave certain foods because of something that happened to our great-grandmother that we're not totally aware of. We are layered beings. And I believe we came to this form to peel off the layers, to get closer to the soul. And when we get closer to the soul, we get closer to each other. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being a part of Horpod. If you want to book a reading with me, if you want to talk more about the energy of food, you can book a reading at LaceyFree.com. You can follow me on my new Instagram at LaceyIsFreeFree. Two frees. Um, we have a beautiful community on Patreon, Patreon slash LaceyFree where we do lives, we do community gatherings, we talk about spell work, we hold space for each other's pain. I do free readings on there sometimes. So join us. Take good care of you. So much love to you and those wild taste buds. Bye.